0: Welcome to Disputes Digest for the week of May 30th. I'm Chris Gamble. Don't forget to follow Tales of the Tribunal on LinkedIn to stay up to date with news from around the international dispute resolution field. And if you haven't already, take a moment to share the show with a friend or colleague. And if you've got any feedback for the show, drop us a line at talesofthetribunal at gmail.com. And you already know the drill. Don't forget to leave us a review. It really helps others find the show. All right. Jumping into the news for this week, first, we take a look back as back on March 21st of this year, representatives from 156 contracting states approved the latest amendments to the ICSID arbitration rules, the five year consultative process that began in October 2016 by inviting suggestions and proposals for amendments to the rules, initially from member states and later from the public, a total of six working papers on the proposal for rule amendments were published by ICSID Secretariat on November 12, 2021, which included further extensive consultation with ICSID member states and the public. These working papers contained the basis on which the charge was suggested along with the structure of amendments. One of the most important changes is a provision which aims to reduce the time and cost for the proceedings by focusing on the shortening of the procedural timeline by establishing a time frame by which the tribunal must render its award and decisions. Further, there is a new set of expedited arbitration rules, which parties are free to opt into for fast-tracking of a case. Also, the additional facility arbitration, which was earlier only available to member states, is now open to non-member state parties, as well as regional economic integration organizations. The new rules also provide for greater transparency in the process of publication of awards, whereby there are more elaborate procedures that are better fleshed out for parties to agree on necessary redactions. One of the most debated topics is third-party funding in investment arbitration which had not been previously addressed by the rules the new rules require disclosures of the name of any non-party that provides funding apart from these updates some further amendments include one relaxed jurisdictional requirements two a new requirement to set out the ownership and control of the investment in the request for arbitration three make procedure less paper intensive with greater use of technology for transmission of documents and four new rules for security for cost the new ICSID convention was adopted in 1967 and has previously been amended four times whereby the last amendment took place in 2006. after 16 years it aims with the latest rules adjustment to modernize the rules in order to reduce the overall cost and time of the investment arbitration proceedings and at the same time maintaining the due process and interest between investors and state parties. While the ICSID Secretariat is of the opinion that the majority of the concerns have been addressed in the latest amendments which should resolve and reform investment arbitrations, some scholars disagree and believe that the rules will only do so much as parties agree, and that the system must be entirely transformed. This is a story we've been covering for a few months now, and we'll bring you updates as they're available then, for this next story, we head somewhere where the arbitration and the broader legal community is just now delving into with gusto. That is the metaverse. The metaverse, for those of you that don't know, is a revolutionary new concept that aims to change the way that businesses, consumers, law firms, every industry imaginable will interact by doing so in a digital platform. There's a lot more to it, but we'll talk about how it's been discussed specifically during Paris Arbitration Week. As a part of Paris Arbitration Week's 2022 edition, the first ever virtual reality arbitration conference was organized in the metaverse. The topic for discussion was to understand the issues with resolution of disputes that will arise with the use of the metaverse and activities related to it. Metaverse is referred to as Web 3.0, i.e. the third generation of the internet, which is decentralized and has multiple owners. The digital economy is growing rapidly with the increased use of digital technology. However, the Metaverse is a bit different from an isolated experience of digital virtual experiences. Namely, it is distinct in the sense that it is an interoperable network of real-time rendered 3D virtual worlds. Its users can synchronize their experience into an individual presence amongst multiple users within the same continuity of data in communication and payments. For instance, a user can enter a virtual shopping mall that can be experienced by as many people as the virtual space can fit and purchase unique digital items. Consequently, and as with any industry, if there are commercial transactions, there will also be disputes, and that is where the dispute's resolution comes into the picture. Some of the examples presented at this year's conference are disputes that can arise in the metaverse, disputes between the metaverse users and owners of the metaverse platform, which is an action on the part of the platform that causes financial loss to the user. For example, a user buys a house with a waterfront and a digital sea, which is later removed would significantly reduce the price of the real estate, or disputes between metaverse users, i.e. theft digital assets. The panelists at this year's conference also discussed the status quo of the dispute resolution in the metaverse, which included addressing topics such as law applicable to the terms of the contract and the methodology for dispute resolution. Now, some metaverse platforms already provide for arbitration through decentralized platforms, and others make reference to small claims courts. Further, the discussion also addressed challenges such as the applicable law, unidentifiable parties, when an avatar are programmed through artificial intelligence, independent and impartiality, and enforcement concerns, a number of issues. The technology is still up and coming and not fully developed, therefore much thought and analysis are required in order to assess the challenges and legal feasibility of its use. This is just the beginning of the dynamic and interesting topic with which there are sure to be many novel questions to come. One of the voices I've been following in this space is Elizabeth aka Lizzie Chan and Alan and Ofrey. We'll include a link in the show notes of some of her comments on the topic to show how, well, the conversation is evolving in the metaverse. We'll have to think about getting her on the show sometime too. From there, we head to London where the London Court of International Arbitration, the LCIA, launched its annual casework report for 2021. Let's take a look at some of the key takeaways from this report. First up, COVID resulted in fewer cases being referred to the LCIA in 2021 compared to 2020. This also appeared to say that the caseload from Russia, which was already declining and is likely to decline due to the ongoing war in Ukraine, also saw a tapering and alteration in its effects in the number of cases brought before the LCIA. Further, there are also likely to be adverse effects in transactions and agreements on account of the sanctions. Following decree number 34 of 2021 of the government of Dubai, the LCIA and the Dubai International Arbitration Center, (DIAC) agreed the LCIA would administer all existing DIFC-LCIA cases from London. A payment mechanism has been agreed regarding the funds of parties held by the DFIC and LCIA. Just as a bit of background, Decree Number 34 of 2021 consolidated the local arbitration centers under the DIAC and abolished the DIFC Arbitration Institute agreement that the DIFC and LCIA have num- maintained for a number of years, which, as we covered on the show, raised a number of concerns about the funds and ongoing arbitrations held by the DIFC-LCIA. Also of note, the top three industry sectors for the LCIA caseload are banking and finance, energy and resources, and transport and commodities. Nothing surprising there. Then, and also in 2021, almost 6% of all parties were state bodies or state-owned entities. Parties under LCIA rules chose international seats and laws, in particular, those of Mexico and Texas. The LCIA court is a driving force in gender diversity, selecting women about 47% of all its appointments. However, percentage of women selected by parties decreased from 22% to 16%. Finally, and more specifically, regarding the rules of arbitration, there were more applications for expedited formation of tribunal and appointments of arbitrators in 2021 than 2020. Parties are filing more composite requests when parties wish to communicate more than one arbitration under the LCIA rules. And there's been an increase in the number of requests for consolidation. Like I said, there's a number of interesting nuggets and pieces of information found throughout this new report from the LCIA. And we'll include a full link to that report in the show notes. Then one final bit of news as we head to New York where the nation of Kazakhstan has ratified the United Nations Convention on International Settlement Agreements resulting from mediation, aka the Singapore Convention. And as talked about a number of times on the show, the convention facilitates international trade and promotes mediation as an alternative and effective method of resolving commercial disputes by providing an effective mechanism for the enforcement of international settlement agreements resulting from mediation. The convention is open for signature ratification and accession by states and regional economic integration organizations. In total, some 55 states have signed the convention since it opened for signature on August 7th of 2019. All right, that's it for Disputes Digest. May was a crazy month, both with travel and kicking off Season 4 of Tales of the Tribunal, which you can find in this same feed. We're hoping to have more consistent content with your weekly Disputes Digest and just Ask that you bear with us as we continue to work on it. In the meantime, we'll be back in your news feed next week with more news from around the international dispute resolution, legal, and business world. If you have feedback or comments for the show, drop us a line at tales at gmail.com. Until next week, this has been Disputes Digest by Tales of the Tribunal. None of the views shared today or in any episode of Disputes Digest is presented as legal advice nor advice of any kind. No compensation was provided to any organization or party for their inclusion on the show, nor do any of the statements made represent any particular organization, legal position, or viewpoint. All interviewees or organizations included appear on an arm's length basis and their appearance should not be construed as any bias or preferred affiliation with the host or host's employer. All rights reserved.